Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. A story we've heard many, many, many times. But it's a story that never gets old. The birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sung at the beginning of our services, Joy to the World. And as I was standing there and thinking as we were singing, Joy to the World. That this, of course, is that time of the year, is it not, that brings joy. If you were to ask anyone, what is the most, uh, the most joyous time of the year? The vast majority of people would say, of course, it was Christmas. Andy Williams sung a song. It was, the, I believe it was Andy Williams that it's the most wonderful time of the year. And oh, how true it is. Joy to the world. 1719, Isaac Watts wrote that, that song. And it's rather interesting as you sing that song that the only stanza in that song that refers to Christmas is the first stanza, which says, The Lord is come. It never mentions Mary and Joseph. It never mentions the shepherds, the angels, the sheep. It never mentions the wise men, the manger. It never mentions any of those things. But it does mention that the Lord has come. Which is the most important aspect of any song. But all how... The meaning of that song has brought such joy to our hearts because it helps us to be reminded of that first birth of the Lord Jesus Christ there in a manger. With your Bibles open, would you stand with me? Luke chapter 2. Let's look at verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round and about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I think that's very interesting. We all, as believers, recognize that Jesus Christ is a Savior. Say, come to save men from their sins. We all recognize that He is the Christ. That the prophets of old had prophesied. And we all recognize that He is Lord. But did you realize that this is the only verse in the Bible that has all three of those words together? (laughs) 
Oh, we talk about the Lord Jesus. But yet, it talks here, a Savior, Christ, the Lord. And listen to what the Bible says in verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Father, in Jesus' name, we are so grateful and thankful that we can come on such a special day as today, the birthday of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we come celebrating. We come rejoicing. We come with excitement and joy in our hearts. Thank you, dear Lord, for the way that you have blessed us already with your spirit. Now, Lord, speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Very briefly, I want to share with you today the joys of Christmas. The joys of Christmas and how it blesses our hearts and how it reminds us of what we have by the means of the precious gift of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to think about the joy of the birth of the Son. The joy of the birth of the Son. Now, by and large, when a baby is born, we don't really get all that excited about it unless it's one of ours. Uh, Babies are born all the time. I I enjoy when I'm in the hospital and uh, a lot of times that when a baby is born, they will play a lullaby over the intercom. Some of y'all have heard that. And many times when that happens, I stop and I think, I wonder if it's a boy or if it's a girl. And then I also wonder, wonder what that boy or that girl is going to grow up to be like. Wonder what they will achieve in life. Wonder what the experiences that they're going to experience in life. Well, the Bible tells us here that there was a baby that was born. Most people don't think about babies being born. Most of the time, that's all right, Sarah, let him go ahead and cry because this is a good time for it to be, for him to cry. Uh, but you know what? Most times people don't think about that. They think about the stocks. They think about taxes. They think about uh, crime. They think about uh, disease and things of that nature. But most times people don't really give a lot of thought of babies being born. But suppose that they, I mean, perhaps that they should have. I thought it was interesting. In 1809, I'm sure there were many, many babies that were born in that year. Not many people thought much about 1809. 1809, of course, was the year that Napoleon was going to become, and he thought he was going to conquer the world. He was going to be the next Alexander the Great. But in 1809, 
Did you realize what all happened in 1809? In my findings, I find out that even though very few people were thinking about babies, but there was a man that by the name of William Gladstone became one of the greatest prime ministers of England, was born in 1809. In 1809, Alfred Lord Tennyson was born. Alfred Lord Tennyson, who was one of the, has probably the greatest effect on the literature world than any other person on the face of the earth. That year, 1809. Oliver Wendell Holmes and Edgar Allan Poe, who was just across the town, both was born, who, of course, became two of the greatest novelists that this world has ever been introduced to. In 1809, Charles Darren was born. No doubt, a man who grew to live in infamy. But in 1809, there was a a little lad that was born in a log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky, Abraham Lincoln. All in the same year of 1809. Little do we realize what takes place in the birth of a year of how God uses individuals. Why, this coming year, 2017, if the Lord tarries, may be another Billy Graham that's being born. It may be one that will come and will uh, come to be able to find the cure for cancer. Maybe be a one that would come and to be able to carry out things in this world that this world has never been introduced to. I'm sure that when Jesus was born that year that no one ever considered that anything spectacular was taking place. I'm sure that when that little baby in that manger, no one really thought throughout Jerusalem and Bethlehem that anything special that was going on. When the shepherds came, the shepherds came Not to look for a king on a throne, but they came to find a baby in a manger. When the shepherds came, they did not go to a palace, but what did they do? They went to a manger. When the shepherds came, that little baby was not surrounded by servants, but he was surrounded by sheep. When that little, when those shepherds came, he was not lying on a bed of silk sheets, but he was laying in a trough or a manger of straw. Oh, nothing spectacular. Nothing great about that birth. It was just like any common man or common baby would be born of. And yet we know Because of that birth, it changed the world. And it changed your heart and changed my life today. But you stop and you think about that little baby that was born. Moms, think about this for a few moments. 
We know that Jesus, of course, was the Son of God. He was incarnate God. But you know, Mary, just like any mother, had to change the diapers of that little baby. Had to feed him. Had to teach him how to talk. Had to teach him how to walk. Had to teach him how to do things that an adult would need to learn in his days of growing up. And yet we understand this was God. Can you imagine the awesome task that this mother had with the birth of this little baby? Seemed like an ordinary birth. But it was not. Came from a virgin. Seemed like an ordinary birth, but it was not. It was God incarnate in a little baby. Jesus Christ came into this world in such a fashion that to change our lives, but he came to identify with us. In my research, and Andrew and Bruce and some of these, our musicians and Judy, of course, would probably already know this, but I didn't know this. But did you know that you could take two pianos in the same room and if they were tuned properly, that you could hit a chord and without someone touching the other piano, that chord would also be hit? It would be called sympathetic resonance. It would resonate. There's something rather amazing about the tuning of a piano. Did you realize that when Jesus Christ came and he became a man, he was like us in every way, shape, and form? And when there were certain things that would strike a chord within our heart, such as sorrow, suffering, death, and sin, it would resonate in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, it was thus not an ordinary birth. Christ, the birth. Christmas is the joy of the birth. Of the Son. But verse 10 says this. Listen to it very quickly. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, a Savior. Christmas is the joy of the blessings of a Savior. Now the angel said to the shepherds, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. What was so good news? What was 
the good news is all about. He tells us there in verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. The Savior always refers to God. Always is recognized as God. Referring one that defeats sickness. One that defeats disease and death. A Savior. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 11 says, I, even I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no other Savior. Isaiah 49 verse 26 says, All flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer. The title Savior in the noun sense means salvation. In the verb sense means save. Did you realize that those words are mentioned in every single book of the New Testament. Savior saved. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4 verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has, has seen the Son as the Savior of the world. Or has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. A Savior. Someone once said... God recognized the need of the world, and that's the reason he met that need. Someone said, and put it this way, an unknown writer says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, he would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But no, God recognized that our greatest need was sin, a cure for sin. And therefore, he sent a Savior, a Savior to this world had to be human in order to be able to die for our sins. Had to be divine in order to die not for his own sins, but for the sins of another. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for him that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I read a remarkable story here a while back. Most unusual, incredible stories that I have ever read. It was of a 16-year-old girl. Her name was Lisa Aliyah. She lived out in the Midwest, and she came down with a terrible sickness, and they discovered she had leukemia. And this particular type of leukemia was a very rare type of leukemia. 
And that the only way that she could possibly survive was by a bone marrow transplant. She had a, the, at the most, possibly five years to live. Beautiful young girl. Her younger brother, they had tested him to see if he was able to uh, have, be compatible with the, her bone marrow. And of course, he was not. What was unusual was about was that her parents was rather old. And they said, really, the only way, and possibly the only way, is to have a sibling to uh, match the same bone marrow transplant. Her dad, in his mid-40s, he had his vasectomy reversed. Because he and his wife was going to have a child. And hopingly that that child would be able to have the same bone marrow that could be transplanted to save that daughter. It was only about a 35% chance that that vasectomy reversal would even be possible. Her mother was at the age of 46. Really beyond, almost beyond the age of childbearing. And they said it was almost a 70% chance that she could ever become pregnant. And if she did, it could very well possibly be a Down syndrome child. They went through that procedure. And what was so remarkable was about it that she became pregnant. And there, nine months later, they had a little girl. Everything seemed to be fine. And they began to check the bone marrow of that little baby and realizing that it was compatible. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Fourteen months later, as that baby got older and stronger, they took a long needle, placed it into her hip, and extracted that bone marrow, and then in return placed it in the bone of that 16-year-old Daughter or sister. Remarkably, even though the clock was ticking, remarkably, after a series of events, this young girl became cancer free. Miracle after miracle after miracle. They gave life in order to give life. My friend, that's exactly what Jesus did. He came and you go back and you look at all the miracles that had to take place in order for his birth to transpire. Miracle after miracle after miracle. One who came 
to give life. Gave life. Became a savior. Oh, the joy of Christmas because of the blessings of a savior. But last of all, Christmas is the joy because of the beauty of a sovereign. Did you notice there in verse 11, it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That little baby lying in a manger was not just a baby, but he was the sovereign God himself. Lord, the word Lord is used over 9,000 times throughout the Bible. 6,000 times it is referred to in the Old Testament as Elohim or Jehovah. But always refers back to Sovereign Lord. This was incredible news. Jesus, this little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, the sovereign God, the Lord of lords and the King of kings lying there in that manger. My friend, Christmas is special. Christmas is not about Santa. It's about Savior. Christmas is not about gifts. It's about grace. My friend, Christmas, think about Jesus became a son so that he could relate to us. Jesus became a savior so he could respond to us. But Jesus was Lord so that he could be Lord of our lives. I heard about this father one morning gathered all of his family together, his children, and gathered his wife. And it was almost like a coach was getting ready to have a talk with his team. He says, now listen, this year we're going to do something different at Christmas. We're not going to spend as much. We're going to focus more attention upon uh, giving to those that are in need. And we're going to uh, get all wrapped up into the world of this scene of Christmas. Said, we are going to make this the very best Christmas that there have ever been. His little seven-year-old little boy spoke up and he says, Dad, he can't be. Well, you could just imagine there, this guy had built this, uh, this talk up so well. He was so disappointed in uh, what his son was saying. He said, what do you mean? He says, you can't beat the first Christmas. And that is true, is it not? Oh, my friend, do you know him as a son? Do you know him as a savior? Do you know him as a sovereign? If not, today's a good day to come and be introduced to him. Father, in Jesus' name, what a day, what an opportunity we have here today to celebrate, to rejoice, and to experience all the glad tidings of knowing Jesus Christ 
as Son, Savior, and Sovereign. Lord, speak to our hearts today at this very moment. I don't know of a better day for someone to give their heart and their life to the Lord Jesus Christ than on Christmas Day. And so, Lord, if there's one here today that's never experienced that, I encourage them to do that. Maybe there's someone here that would like to be united with the the fellowship of this church. Lord, just have your own will and way. In Jesus we pray. Amen.